This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors. And today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to. And you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.com. FM to get started. Vincent gets vengeance for his brother's death, or does he? Lori is being stalked, or is she? So many questions, not enough answers. This is the Deuce After Show. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome in, welcome in. This is the Deuce After Show. What you know because you tuned in or you're listening in. I am your host, Alexis Brown. And as you can see, I'm holding it down solo dolo. My boo, Louisa, is out sick. Hope you feel better, girl. I know you're at home watching. But don't worry, I'm holding it down as much as possible. And we had to keep going because this is such a good after show. So we could not keep the fans waiting. Once again, as I mentioned, my name is Alexis Brown. And we'll be talking about everything that happened on this episode of The Deuce. This was Season 3, Episode 5. And this was just a great episode. Because you do see that I am by myself. If you are in the live chat, as I see we do have people in the live chat, make sure to comment along. Let us get another perspectives because you don't want to only know what I think. Let's hear what everybody has to think. And you know what? I'm going to stop rambling and we're going to get right onto it. Now, if you were wondering what I thought of this episode, I loved it. Um, I was wondering how things were going to be taking place after the death of our beloved Frankie. And of course, Vincent is trying to get the vengeance he needs. Plus, it looks like we may have some more deaths, boo-hoo, that are happening on this show. So let's just dig right on into it. Now, I already mentioned Frankie and Vincent. So we're going to talk about them first. Now, when we open up on the show, we have, it looks like Frankie's funeral. And you would think with the funeral, it would be really, really sad. But what I loved, especially because they were opening up the show with it, it kind of seemed like people were in higher spirits. It didn't seem like anybody was too sad. We did get a tear from Vincent, which is expected. But they were watching a really happy moment of Frankie, who was recording himself with his kids, of himself talking, giving overall family stories that we didn't really know a lot about. So it was good to see his family kind of watching those family moments. His wife even mentioned while watching it, it's kind of like Frankie knew that he was going to be gone. And it kind of did seem that way. He was saying goodbye to his family. He was telling his son to look out for his brother. And it just seemed like the final closing we needed in Frankie's story. Now, why it felt like we were getting closure on Frankie and everything that happened after his death, I think the main person who didn't get the vengeance and the closure they wanted was Vincent. We saw him throughout the entire episode trying to get that vengeance for his brother, trying to figure out who killed him, why, and what he can do to get past that point. Now, first he went to Rudy, 
Well, I'm not going to lie. After the last episode, me and Louisa, both in our prediction, said that we thought Rudy had something to do with Frankie's death. He was upset because he wasn't getting a certain portion of the porn company, which he found out in this episode wasn't even making a lot of money. It was making like $2,000 a month, which to me sounds like a lot of money. But to Rudy, didn't sound like anything. It sounded like chump change. So when Vincent approached him about that, he was like, I didn't have any reason to kill Frankie. You know, I was working. Working with him, I invested in him. I wanted us all to win and make money. So we could knock Rudy off of that list of people who killed Vincent. But he did kind of lead Vincent killed Frankie, I'm sorry, but it did kind of lead Vincent into finding out who did kill Frankie. He ended up leading him to another person in that same gang who told him you need to find Pasquale. Now, in his hunt for Pasquale, he had a lot of people tell him, you need to stay out of it. You don't need to worry about it. You just need to let it go because these are big people and you don't want to make them upset. But Vincent, he's hurt. He's sad about his brother. He wants to get the revenge that he wants and he doesn't listen. Even Abby told him, promise me you're not going to do anything crazy. But of course, because it's him and because this is the deuce he did something crazy and he was able to find the guy who killed him at least we think at the end he ended up killing the guy and the guy said it wasn't even me I don't think he did it now we didn't really get a good look at his face in the last episode he looked they all kind of look alike to me don't judge me for making that statement so I personally do not know if he actually did get the killer part of me deep down inside feels like it's not really the killer and I think Vincent kind of thinks deep down he doesn't know if he got the right killer so if you think that it was the right person make sure to comment along if you're watching on the live chat or if you're watching this at a later date or you're listening on iTunes comment along or tweet me at I am Lexi Ferris and let me know what you think because right now I'm not sure if he did really get the vengeance he needs or if he knows if he got the vengeance he needs but I think this was a good episode and getting us closure, which we don't really get a lot on this show. I mentioned a lot on our past after shows that they kind of just gloss over deaths. They don't really mention it again. They kind of just move on with their life. But we did get to have this closure with Frankie, which I think was deserved because he was such a big character on the show. Now, before I move on to the rest of our amazing episode, I have a short message for you all. If you are watching on YouTube or listening on iTunes, then obviously you know how to find us. So make sure you keep watching us on all of our after buzz tv shows because without you we could not be the espn of tv talk so i want to say thank you for tuning in i want you to like comment and subscribe if you're listening give us a five star rating and no matter what continue to comment continue to let us know what you like what you don't like and as always continue to watch no matter whether it's the deuce or one of our many many other after shows please continue to watch us and support us because we cannot do it without you yes 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 all right let's keep going so This is another sad topic for me with this show. It is the topic of Paul and Todd. We've been watching Todd battle with AIDS the entire season and it looks like he may we may be seeing the final days of Todd when we open up with them he's in the hospital and he has been diagnosed with pneumonia and dementia and he basically only has a few more days to live Paul doesn't want him to stay there 
when you know he has his final days on earth he asks if he can take Todd home with him but because they're not married because they're not technically blood or family he's not able to take Todd without a family member signing off on it so Paul has to call Todd's parents now when I heard that he was gonna have to call the family I was expecting it to be a lot of drama a lot of hate they mentioned that Todd hadn't talked to his family in decades so I didn't really know what to expect with his family coming home but what I really liked is that you know his mom if not anybody else's dad We'll talk about it, but his mom seemed to be very, very supportive of Paul. She seemed happy that Todd had somebody like Paul to be with him in his final moments. And she seemed really grateful and wanting to get to know Paul because she could tell that Paul really, really loved her son. And you could tell that Todd really loves him, even though Todd can't really remember or verbally express how he's feeling. It's obvious the love was in the room, and I think Todd's mom really noticed that. The only person who seemed to have difficulty with it was Paul. Todd's father he the only thing he seemed to mention was you know Todd's time doing pornography but you know Todd has grown he hasn't been in his parents life he had to move on and he did the things that he did but I think it was great that they were able to be with him in their final moments I'm not sure exactly I don't think anybody was really sure of if Todd remembered them or not Paul mentioned that he thought that they did but I don't know if he was just telling the mom that so she can feel better about not being there but I am happy to see that moment with Paul and Todd and with Paul's mom. And although we don't know what happened to Todd yet, I'm glad that we had kind of kind of a happy moment at some, something that seemed like the end of it all. Now, we have Cornelia, who is in the chat. Shout out to you, Cornelia, because you always watch Faithfully and you always comment along with me. And I need people to comment along with me while I'm down here holding them down by myself she said it was sad to see Todd's bed empty at the end of the show when Paul calls his father it's sad to lose Todd but at least his mother got to see him again so you're right Cornelia I think they did kind of end it with us thinking that Todd did go on to glory so if that is the case R.I.P. Todd and we'll have to see if they talk about it and if we'll see it played out on the next episode and I completely forgot so thank you again Cornelia that it encouraged Paul to reach out to his own parents. So maybe, and not to go too far into predictions, maybe we'll see him rekindle with his family and bring things together with that so that he won't have to, you know, maybe go through a moment like Todd did with your final moment seeing your parents being something tragic like that. So hopefully with that, we see relationships mended and we'll see what's going on with everybody else. All right, so let's move on to Candy, who is one of my favorite people on the show, Eileen or Candy, however you want to call her. She had a pretty dark episode. This was a dark episode now that I think about it. We had a death. We had a possible death. We had family drama. And we also have Candy, who's dealing with her own issues. First of all, Bay is not there. Hank had to unexpectedly go to London, which this seems like the worst time for him to be gone because she seems to be dealing with a lot. First, we finally see her going back to Harvey. They had had their disagreements in the beginning of the season, and we hadn't seen them together in a few episodes. So while I was happy in the beginning to see them kind of be back together, it seemed like it wasn't for good because... her Harvey and Candy, they got into it. They left each other with telling each other F you and 
cursing each other out because Harvey did not like Candy's new porn ideas. And if you've been watching since, you know, episode one of this season, you know that Harvey has been trying to get her to kind of change the way she's been doing things. And she doesn't want to make that change yet. And I think in this episode is really when we saw her as she was looking through her old movie saying that it's time to make a change and it's time to move on. And in that realization, she reached right back out to Harvey and he was right there for her. So although in the beginning of the episode, I was like, oh, this may be the end of Harvey and Candy. No, they found their way back to each other in the end. Because at the end of the day, they're family. And while they have business disagreements, while they may not always see things from the same perspective as far as the porn industry and as far as the videos that they make, they're family. And I think he knew deep down inside that she needed him. And I think this was the realization that she needed. Now, for me, I don't know if this realization is that I'm going to leave the the porn industry for good or I'm just going to move on with the times and adjust to this new way that porn is being done now spoiler alert if you haven't watched our previous after shows which I I hope you all have we had predicted many times that Candy was going to start her own movies that weren't porn they were going to be more mainstream didn't involve sex just regular old films and that she would get Harvey to fund it. And I think from how they ended it with this episode, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think she's realizing that she's beyond that and she doesn't want to do that anymore. And I think in her talking to Harvey and him suggesting, why don't you have Hank help you out? I think that may be just that. So, Louisa, wish you were here. I know you're watching. We may have been right about our prediction that she's going to get Hank to fund her regular movie no sex no porn no titties no vagina just good old-fashioned film so i'm ex- yes 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 moving on up in the world so i'm excited that you know maybe we'll see a turn in that part of life for candy cornelia also said in the chat i love that black hat she was wearing i did too girl i love that whole outfit i think that every time i see candy her outfits are always on point And I love that the 80s is always just a classic look in fashion. I think no matter how far along in the years we get, we're always going to be able to go back and get a good 80s look. And it's always going to be in style. And it's always going to be classic. So I'm right there with you, Cornelia. I was all for her outfits, as I always am with her on this show. Now, as we continue to talk about Candy, we have to talk about another thing that popped up in her life. And that is her son, Adam. Her son, Adam, has been suffering with drugs. We have haven't seen a lot of him he's gone on on his own he's a lot older now when we first saw him he was a kid and now he's out on his own and they've been trying to find him nobody knew how to reach him but finally in his many requests to to get money from her he finally left her a phone number and she was able to meet with him so when she met with him everything seemed all good he didn't seem like he was like strung out or I mean I guess there's no particular look to somebody being strung out but I was expecting him to look kind of crazy but he looked fine to me and it seemed like the money he was asking for was to start a shirt business that he wanted to start. Now, I don't know about you guys in the live chat, you know, comment along or like I said, if you're watching later, also comment or tweet me as I am Lexi Fierce once again. And let me know what you think, because I don't think he was being truthful about the shirt business. I think he was lying to get the money he needed from 
candy and I think he knew that if he was just like I need this money for drugs or for all the other mischief I'm doing she wouldn't have given it to him but he felt like he needed to lie about the shirt business so she would do it but when she wasn't down with then she was like well you need to come up with a business plan and you need to figure out a way to get investors that's when his true feelings came out he called her a whore which I think really hit hard for her, not because it was coming from her son, even though I'm sure that was one of the bigger reasons, but just because, you know, she was a prostitute and she's already kind of been feeling low on herself. So to hear it coming from her son, I think that was kind of what sparked the shift in her saying, maybe it is time for me to leave this porn industry behind. So in all of that, it will be interesting to see in future episodes what's going to happen with Candy and Adam, what's going to happen with Candy and her movies, and if she's gonna you know go back up and continue to be successful or if this is gonna be the standstill for her um going through the live chat cornelia said it was good to see that she got to see her son again though he's really bitter about her lifestyle and career and that she had his grandparents raise him totally agree with you if i was adam i think i'd be a little upset too because she kind of abandoned him and in addition to abandoning him she made sex on tape and not only was she producing it and directing it but she was in it and of course you know teenage boys they find ways to see that stuff so he probably had a lot of friends who was have seen his mom have sex on tape which i'm sure was embarrassing and mortifying for him and it's part of the reason why he thinks that she's a whore so yeah i totally agree with you on that it was kind of bittersweet but i think i think they can pull it together hopefully he's not too strung out to where they can't she also said i think screen print screen print t-shirts were real big at that time but i think you might be right he might have been lying about the t-shirt business I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he was trying to start a business. He's trying to turn his life around. He doesn't want to be in that life anymore. But I'm sorry. I can't help but, you know, think that somebody who has struggled with drugs and has called and been strung out and always is asking for money, that when they are asking for money, it is for that. But you never know. I, You know, like I said, you got to give people the benefit of the doubt sometimes. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. All right, so let's move on to Lori. Love talking about Lori, but this has been such a rough season for her. I thought things were going to be on the up and up when she went on to L.A. She was becoming this big porn star, but it seems like she's really just trying to figure out who she is and what she wants to do and really figure herself out. We've seen her dabble in music. We've seen her try and fail and try and fail again with staying in the porn industry. It just doesn't seem to work out for her, no matter how hard her talent agent slash boyfriend I guess whatever he is to her tries to get her to stay in that lane it's obviously just not what she wants to do the music thing didn't seem to work out the acting thing didn't seem to work out and now in this episode she's stripping now I guess that seems fitting you know you're a prostitute you're a porn star obviously you have no issue showing off your body why not just be a stripper? It seemed like she made some good money and she already has a fan base, you know, from being this big porn star. Um, she was taking the tips away from all the other strippers and they were upset about it. So she obviously is doing something right for when all the men want to save their money for her. But I think deep down inside, that's still not what she wants to do. But I think she doesn't know what she wants to do because she doesn't feel like she's good with at anything and I think also and we talk about this a lot on our previous shows that she doesn't really know how to 
handle herself by herself. You know, she was a young girl, and then as soon as she went to New York, she had Cece, who was her pimp, and then when she kind of blew up, that's when she got this talent agent, and he was with her in L.A., and then she had her manager. It's always been somebody kind of controlling what she does. So I think this was kind of the first episode we saw where she was really out on her own and trying to figure things out. I hate to see if she's, that she's still doing the cocaine because that's still kind of like driving her life and making her make her decisions. But this is the first time we've seen her on her own and figuring it out. She was stripping. She was making good money. But it seemed like the fan base from the strip club wouldn't leave her alone. You had a random guy just show up in the coffee shop at her table looking super duper creepy. I was so scared for her. I was like, oh, my gosh, you get away from this man. And then there was a man seemingly who showed up at her hotel room, followed her to her room, was banging on her door. And I literally, I, I have to applaud the directors and the cinematographers and the, and the, and the girl who plays Lori. Because I literally felt my heart beating fast in that moment when she was being followed. I just really wanted her to get to that room to get away from him. But she wasn't able to get away. And in that moment when she, when the person was knocking on the door, I, I was thinking to myself, okay... Maybe she shouldn't have walked to her hotel room because he can see where she's going so he knows exactly where her hotel room is. It probably would have been the best situation for her to just get back in the car and maybe drive to a police station or drive to a friend's house or, I don't know, some way away from there. But she ended up going to the hotel room and it ended up being a guy banging on her door. She called the cops. She's like, help me. Somebody's following me. And then management shows up and says, ma'am, there's nobody out here. So now I'm feeling crazy. I'm like, okay, so was there a guy there and he just left? Or was there not really a guy there? Is she hallucinating? What's going on? I was feeling scared. Now I feel crazy because I don't really know what's happening. So if you were confused like me, comment in the live chat or let me know because I want to know what's really happening. Was she being chased or not? Are we all losing our minds? I've got to know something. But either way, I just want her to get better. I want her to stop doing the cocaine. I want her to find what her passion is so she can stop feeling like she has to use her body to do things. She even had one of her stripper customers tell her, you can do more than this. And I was like, oh, is this a positive moment coming from the guy at the strip club? Is this going to be the realization that she needs from the guy at the strip club? So I guess we'll have to wait and see. But either way, I think she needs to get some help for the voices in her head. Or maybe I need to get some help, some help for the voices in my head because I heard, I don't know. It's all over the place. We don't know what's going on. I need some answers, folks. HBO, let me know what's the answers. Another thing that happened in this episode that I was super duper excited about is Donna is back. We talked about it on a previous episode. Is Donna just out of the show? I know she went off to school, but are we never going to see her again? But she came back on this episode, and as soon as she walked through the door, I was so, so excited. I was hoping she was coming back with a positive update. And it kind of was positive. You know, she told Abby that she had gotten all A's and B's, that she was doing well in school, and that she was pursuing this nursing program. But unfortunately, she could not do the nursing program because she has misdemeanor arrests on her record. So sad how the system just holds people down. Mistakes that you made as a teenager can follow you for the rest of your life and can, can keep you from becoming a better person. And it's like, how can I do better and grow and go on to better things? 
things if I have something as small as something that I did in my past keeping me back from doing just that. And that's what happened in her situation. It's a situation we see a lot, just even to this day in, to, in 2019. This was all the way in 1985 and now in 2019. It's still something that are keeping people down. But she had a little bit of hope in this episode. She went to Abby and she asked Abby to testify on her behalf to show that she's a good person so that they can reconsider their decision on not letting her into the nursing program. Abby did just that. But I got to say, and I want you all to tell me what you think. I didn't understand why Abby felt it was necessary to tell the people who are making the decision that. Donna used to be a prostitute. Now, to tell them, you know, she's been through a lot. She made a lot of mistakes in her past. She's had a lot of issues. Don't hold it against her. Cool. That was her role for her to come. But I was kind of like, did you have to go so in detail and be so specific about her being a prostitute? I personally didn't feel like that was information that they needed. They just wanted to know that she was a good person and wasn't her past and all the things she has done in her past. But I think now it's going to be hard from them to not only separate from the fact that she's been arrested and in jail, but that she has a past of being a prostitute. So I'm kind of curious to know if they're going to give us an update in later episodes on what happens with Donna, if that's, if she is going to get into the program or if she's not going to get into the program. And if she doesn't get in the program, is it because of what Abby said or it did it not matter what Abby said because their decision wasn't made anyway? I don't know. But personally, I felt that she gave way too much information and I just hope and pray that it doesn't affect Donna negatively. Cornelia is just excited as me in the group chat. She says, Donna's back. They finally let us know what happened to her. And it was all the update we needed. So maybe now we'll see what happened with Leon. We haven't seen or heard from him the entire season. There's so many people that have just gone on with their lives and we don't know what happened to them. So maybe now as we're kind of winding things down, we're going to finally see what's going on. I think we have like three more episodes. So we need to get some answers soon, HBO. We need to know, okay? All right. So the last thing, if you remember, well, not the last thing. We got actually two more things. So in the last episode, you know, the girls were sent out to this party. You know, they've been doing these like stripper parties where they've been making more money. And um, Black Frankie always goes with them. He drives them there. He's always on call if anything happens. They called them, which I don't know. I didn't understand in the last episode why they called him when the guy was had his fallout or his allergic reaction or his stroke or whatever happened to the guy. I know he was allergic to lobster and ate it, and I guess that put him into some, some type of shock. I didn't understand in the last episode why they called Black Frankie. He's not a doctor. I think they should have called 911, but I guess they said if something happens to call Black Frankie, so they're just doing what they were told. But in doing that, in trying to save the man, they arrested Black Frankie because, of course, he's a black man. There's a white guy who's passed out, and there's two white naked women. Why not arrest the man? It looks super suspicious, so why not? So now he's in Rikers Island, and they're trying to figure out how to get them out. They have to stall all of their work, which means nobody's making any money. And so they decide that they're going to pretend that the man who had the stroke is their brother-in-law. And they go to visit him in the hospital. And when he becomes conscious, they tell him, look, my friend saved your life. You need to help get him out. If you don't go help him, we're going to tell all of your family, all your friends, everybody that you know that you had prostitutes. So you need to tell them what we tell you to tell them so that we can get Black Frankie out. And he did did just that. Frankie's out. 
all is well that we know of and we can just move on to whatever the next problem is. I don't know if they're going to automatically just start the parlor back up after everything that's happened. Maybe they'll take a little bit more time to wait for, wait for things to calm down. I personally think that's what they should do. But everybody's about the money on this um, show. So, of course, they're going to do whatever they can do to get that money. So we'll have to see. And then the last thing, it's not really a super topic, but it's something that kind of stood out to me. And I just want to know what you guys think. So in the hospital, we noticed that Big Mike noticed that somebody was in a hospital bed. I think it might have actually been Todd. I have to go back and watch. I couldn't tell if it was Todd or just somebody like Todd who was suffering from HIV and AIDS. But I think it might have been Todd. And Big Mike, in seeing him, said, I would like to be tested. And it made me wonder why Big Mike wanted to be tested. Has he, you know, at the time back then... AIDS and HIV was considered the gay disease. So it made me wonder, has he been messing around with men or has he just been out there just having sex with anyone and not using a condom? Or did just seeing that man give him some type of fear that's like, okay, maybe if I'm not doing anything, but I just want to be 100% sure. So I'm not in this situation. But it just made me wonder what is happening in Big Mike's life that he felt like he needed to be tested then and at that moment. So if you have a thought on what you think might have been it, comment in the live chat, comment if you're listening later, or tweet me. I want to know what you guys are thinking. All right, guys, so that wraps up our going over the show. I can't believe I got through all of that. Oh, my gosh, but that was so much fun. This is my first solo show, and I think I'm doing pretty well. Y'all holler at me and let me know what you're thinking. Yes, thank you. I needed that. I needed that. All right, we're going to get into our special segment. We did it last Last week it was so much fun i think we're gonna do it again we're gonna talk about a famous porn movie now this one is a good one um this one is called behind the green door it was released january 13th 1973 the log line is a beautiful woman is abducted and initiated into a live sex act on a private stage participating in lesbianism interracial sex and a public orgy so she was just doing it all it had two directors Artie Mitchell and Jim Mitchell who I'm assuming are brothers and it starred Marilyn Chambers George McDonald Johnny Keys and a whole bunch of other people because there were orgies and it sounded like everybody was involved in this thing um it had a $60,000 budget now one thing I can say from covering this show is I never realized how much money really went into making porns you would think all you need is a couple of people a bed and a good camera but it's a lot that goes into making these porn movies y'all so much so that they had to they had a budget of $60,000 Now, if you're wondering what happened to the stars, Marilyn Chambers actually went on to do um, more than just being a porn actress. She was an exotic dancer. She was a model and a vice presidential candidate. Now, we all know about Donald Trump. And, you know, that was my first introduction into not really being in politics, but then becoming a politician. But this woman was a porn star and was a vice president candidate. Now, if that don't show you you can't do anything you put your mind to, then, you know, you need to check yourself. But I'm just saying that's that's kind of inspiring. But, you know, she went on to be ranked as one of Playboy's top 100 sex stars of the century in 1999 and ranked at number six on the list of top 50 porn stars of all time. I need to go see who else is on this list. 
She unfortunately passed away on April 12, 2009, but it seemed like she created a great legacy for herself. And if you want to see the legacy that she created, you can go check out Behind the Green Door. And I'm sure you're going to get your life because it sounds like it's a good porn. So we'll have to see. All right, guys, let's get into some news and gossip. Now, this news is about my favorite girl, Miss Maggie Gyllenhaal, who plays Candy here on Our Beloved The Deuce. This is about climate change. Now, climate change is something that's very important, guys. You can feel it all around you. The fact that it's October and it's still 95 degrees outside, that should show you that it's a lot going on with our climate. Maggie Gyllenhaal recently talked to people and told them that she has now joined the fight against climate change. But it's not because of that 95 degree weather. It's actually because of the motivation given by her 13-year-old. Gyllenhaal credits her oldest child, Ramona, with opening her eyes to the fight against climate change. She said, my 13-year-old got us involved. She, like many children, isn't able to push out of her mind the dire situation that we're in. We've learned as grown-ups how to do that, and they haven't learned how to do that. And they're really concerned and upset, demanding that the grown-ups pay attention. My daughter did that to me, and it took a minute. Maggie attended the youth climate strike in NYC earlier this month and she said can't not pay attention what's going on. It's real and we need to really change the way we're living she said my 13 year old who woke me up to that it's happening all over the world the children are mobilizing. So shout out to Ramona her oldest child you know it's crazy that you know it's our kids that are are getting us out there to be motivated and to get things done and to make change and that really is inspiring to me and makes me hopeful because if our youth are the ones that are are advocating for change and they're the ones who are going to grow up and be in control then I feel like we may be in good hands because we're being led by youth who have their mind on the right thing so shout out to her 13 year old and shout out to Maggie for fighting the good fight for climate change because it is something that we really need alright guys so before we get out of here I want to predict what I'm thinking on this next episode we're going to get into some predictions I feel like I talked about a lot of my predictions in just talking, but I'm going to talk about them again. So I think that Lori, in hearing all of these voices and kind of spazzing out the way she did in this episode, that maybe she'll get the help that she needs. I don't know if that help is going back to rehab or just getting a therapist or just talking to a friend. Maybe she'll go back to New York, especially now that Frankie's passed, um, and get the help that she needs. And I really hope this time the help sticks and she doesn't go back to drugs or this lifestyle and that she can really turn her life around. Um, I think Abby is going to find out what Vincent did to the killer um, to Frankie's killer um, and she's not going to be happy about it because that meant that Vincent broke a promise and not only broke a promise but killed uh, not only a man but possibly an innocent man so hopefully we find out whether or not that truly is the guy and we're going to have to see how everybody's going to react to the news that Vincent killed somebody and might have gotten you know the vindication that he needed um, for Frankie's murder. I think Todd, unfortunately, has passed on, and we're going to see a lot of how Paul kind of picks up the pieces after he's lost the love of his life. Plus, we haven't really talked about whether the disease has affected him personally, so I'm ex- excited to see, well, not excited, because it could be kind of sad, but curious to see how that's going to play out. I think I mentioned before, Candy's going to go on to do her own movie and do her own thing, and we're going to see how that goes. Um, maybe 
Hank will have a part in it and fund it or at least help her with it. And I think it's just going to be a lot more drama and craziness and fun. And like I said, we only have three more episodes, not just of this season, but of this series in general. Series in general. So anything can happen. More people can die. Everybody can die because it's the last season and who knows. So it's going to be exciting to see how everything plays out. Alright guys, well thank you so much for tuning into the Deuce After Show. This has been so much fun. I can't believe I was able to talk about this all on my own. Oh my gosh, but I love it, I love it, I love it. But if you are watching, make sure you tweet me and comment and let me know what you're thinking. And let me know how I'm doing. I would love to hear all about it. If you're interested in connecting with me, make sure you follow me on Twitter and Instagram at I am Lexi Ferris. That is I A M L E X I F I E R C E. And you can also check out my other after shows. I'm on All Rise at 7 p.m. Pacific time um, on Mondays and on Sundays on Love After Lockup at se- also at 7 p.m. Um, Pacific time and the Married to Medicine after show at 9 p.m. Pacific time. You can check out all those shows anytime on After Buzz TV. Thank you so much again for tuning in and until we meet again, buzz you later. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to After Buzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of After Buzz TV or its owners or principal.